Welcome back to another episode of the Psycho Podcast. I'm your host, Margot Underwood, and this is a place where I have the pleasure of interviewing specialists, authors, doctors, psychologists on the topics of human sexuality. This is a place where we break stigmas and bust hymens, deconstruct taboos, initiate more self-pleasure in our lives, expose alternative therapies to approach these sensitive topics. Thanks for joining me here. Today, I brought on a local member of the kink community here in Dallas. She goes by Miss Navia, and I'm sure some of our listeners who are involved in the community are very familiar with her and her work. She is a 15-year member of and the current headmistress of the DFW chapter for Club Femme International. And if you don't know what Club Femme is, we will be discussing all of the juicy details today. So today's episode is all about the reality versus the fantasy, dominatrix, dome, domina, or as Miss Navia prefers, mistresses or madams. So let's go ahead, dive right in. Welcome, Miss Navia. Uh, thank you for joining me today. And uh, I'm really excited to dive into the world of domination with you. Um, So please go ahead and just tell us a little bit about who and why, uh, you know, your, your journey into the, uh, lifestyle of kink. Thank you for having me. Um, well, it's kind of a a long story. That's kind of boring. I ended up in the kink lifestyle. Just someone kind of pushed me down the rabbit hole. Um, Basically, I didn't know that this lifestyle existed about 22 years ago. Um, I was living with a male roommate, and um, he did everything for me. He did the house. His whole job and and goal in life was to keep me happy. And uh, he lived with me for two years. This is back in the 90s, so I'm not going to date myself, but a long time ago. And, um, well, back in the late 80s, 90s. And um, I just enjoyed him being around and being a service person, taking care of all my needs and things like that. Um, Had no clue that there was actually a lifestyle that it's called. So um, after graduate school, I was doing counseling for some people and I encountered a master slave couple. And they were in a crisis situation. I had to help them out of it, but I had to understand exactly what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And the courts were thinking it was abuse and and whatnot. And there was a child involved and it was just a hot mess. So um, they kind of pushed me into learning about their lifestyle, um, provided me with some resources, not really trying to like drag me into it, but really just to educate me. And with that, my eyes opened and my ears perked up and I got them through their situation. And then I went and bought every book I could find on BDSM. So um, 
I, I kind of got pushed into it uh, through my job. But that's, you know, it's kind of funny. But, uh, and I learned more and more about myself in reading. So it all started off as, as a reading journey and um, kind of accidental BDSM. And then I thought, it, well, this doesn't really exist in real life. So, you know, besides the couple I had just met, um, I, that's back in the beginning of the internet, actually. I jumped on and, and met a gentleman, and he talked to me about it, and then he invited me to my first munch, which my first munch was a Club Femme munch in Michigan, and it was, um, and F-E-M stands for Females Enslaving Males. Mm-hmm. I can talk a lot more about that later, but... Um, I was brought to one of their munches and I was surrounded by powerful women that were learning, educating, teaching, um, nurturing uh, submissive gentlemen. So I thought, well, this is bizarre, but this is kind of like what I have at home. Um, So I just kind of learned more about that, dived into it. And 20 plus years later, here I am. So that's how I got here. My job. I love it. I love it. It uh, seems like you found the found a way for it to benefit um, your lifestyle. And like, I just feel like it, it seems very bizarre from the outside world. And that's why I guess when you say that, like, you were counseling and the courts get involved and they, they see it as something that's abusive. Mm-hmm. When in reality, um, it's not at all uh what it seems like on the surface right um, so what kind of what kind of like immediate benefits did that bring into your life stepping into that role well it was validation first of all it, i felt like okay i am not the only one that wants to be this demanding bossy person at home that, <laughs> that do this too um and usually when I heard about someone who was dominant, it was domineering and evil and rude. It was portrayed as something very negative. Mm-hmm. I was able to surround myself with other ladies and see, okay, these are normal people. Everybody right. is nice and kind and nurturing. And, you know, um, although some pretty cruel things were happening at some of the uh, parties I went to, it was all consensual and everybody did it in good fun. Yeah. So um, that's kind of one of the things is that this is this is kind of like my sport. Everybody else has a hobby or a sport. Um, you know, some people play basketball or golf. I play kink. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it very much normalized the stuff that I do. And so people that I encounter that don't understand it, I find myself trying to educate and normalize my lifestyle probably more often than I need to. But uh, <laughs> I just don't want people to think that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want people to think that we're like freaks with horns and tails, and you know, running around doing horrible things non consensually. So I'm I'm an educator at heart. Mm -hmm. That's um, kind of how I felt too. Was when I stepped into it, I was like, okay, this is a this is a like a group of people who who are accepting who they really are or, you know, and that, that manifests in so many different ways. Um, 
but like you said, that validation of like, okay, I'm not just this raging bitch. I am, I can be structured and this isn't out of the norm, out of the ordinary. This is just my personality and you can kind of hone it in a little bit. I love that. Um, so as, as, as the years have gone through, through developing your love for kink and love for yourself, like, have you noticed like different styles of domination that you've navigated, tried out, um, or just evolved into? Yes. Um, again, I didn't quite know where I fit and Mm -hmm. I, have evolved several probably had (laughs) several steps up since when I started um just after building confidence and whatnot but um you know there's the very stern rude mean evil person that you know people expect when they hear dominatrix they expect something dark and you know I, I when I came in I thought okay well that's what I have to be because that's what you know everyone expects according to porn so So I, I, you know, I did that and I was like, that's not me. It's not natural. I'm not enjoying that. Um, (laughs) And the same. Yeah. I I read the book, The Mistress Manual. That was Mm -hmm. one of the first books. Um, I knew which side of the slash I was on, obviously jumping in. Um, I I pretended to be on the other side of the slash for about three minutes with a gentleman that didn't work out. So. (laughs) so, And what do you mean by that? On the, um, on the side of the slash? Um, on side of slash, meaning I was uh, considering, okay, well, maybe I have some submissive parts and, and uh, characteristics and things that I could slide into with this particular gentleman. And that just was not, was not something that I was interested in doing. Mm-hmm. I've been the bossy lady or the protective person or the... Um, person that seeks justice for others um i'm very protective in my role as you have mm-hmm. um since i was in kindergarten I, that's been me like seriously <laughs> regulating people making sure they're doing right by others taking care of the those who necessarily can't take care of themselves i'm i'm more of that nurturing protective kind of domina but i have other sides as well so yeah that's something that I find myself repeating over and over again to people is like, they're like, oh, you dominate, um, you know, in your private life. So you must love X, Y, and Z, or like, this is how you talk to people, or they create this image in their head of me almost, you know, in the flash of a second. And it's not at all how, how they, how they think it is. Um, And even people in the lifestyle do the same thing. They have the, the idea that, you know, you have to be a certain way and it, it can feel, it's, I mean, it's just like society. It's just society that's been concentrated. It's like, all right, we're all supposed to act a certain way. And in fact, no. And it's almost harder to break free of that expectation of like, no, I can develop my own style of domination. Absolutely. So that's really, 
That's really awesome to hear. My very first um, image of someone that looked like me, which is a, a, a black American person that was on TV, was um, on The Cosby Show, Claire Huxtable. She was the mother. I don't know if I've aged myself, if anybody that's listening has watched The Cosby <laughs> Show or not, but Claire Huxtable was the mother of this family and she was stern and she was loving and she was funny and she had a good time. But when she said something, she meant business. And um, I watched her as a young person and I said, that's the one person that I'd like to model myself after. Mm -hmm. Poised, very professional, very, didn't have to be bossy, didn't have to raise her voice. She was very much just a, a mother that meant business, who took care of stuff. She, you know, regulated her husband as well. And I just said, okay, that's me. That's who I want to be when I grow up. I remember that. And to this day, I have her as a role model, even though we know it's a character, but the actress Felicia Rashad is very poised in real life. And that's who I wanted to be when I grew up and who I've evolved to become. So I love it. Embody. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I kind of, I ran across this, this uh, kind of, it's like a mindfulness practice of if you need help um, in like a certain area of your life, like find a, an archetype that you resonate with and embody that archetype. And oh, that's it. One of mine back in the day was Julia Roberts from um, that. Uh, Pretty woman. Yeah, Pretty Woman. There we go. <laughs> I love her mannerism. She's so awkward. She's so funny. And just kind of like, here I am. Um, that was, that kind of helped me step into my goofiness, into my, you know, I can still be a dominant and be goofy. And thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's not so serious all the time. <laughs> and that's a huge misconception is that. You have to be strict and stern and this, that, and the other. And I am one that when I'm playing, I am, if I'm not laughing, something is not going right. Or <laughs> right. I got to be giggling or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dominant and you were to take me seriously, but I might also go and put on a chicken onesie and make you, you know, not laugh. Um, that's your, your task is to not <laughs> laugh at me and, that, you know, that's just kind of the fun that I play when I'm playing, because why not? <laughs> uh, I mean, where else are you going to put a chicken suit on? And I know, and... right? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I bought it. it. Yeah, I bought it just because my partner is, is stuffy and I, I'm breaking him out of his shell. So that was. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I actually I was just so that kind of leads me into this kind of offhand question of like, what are some like what's one or two like unique little games that you play? And and you said because your um your bottom or your submissive is a little stuffy, you're just trying to break him out of his shell. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to talk about that, like how you have um used dominance as a way to um build up your partners. That is, <laughs> I demand that they take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it, um, I have male partners and 
Some men are stubborn about themselves. Uh, so yes, I make them take care of themselves. Um, you're going to go for a walk. You are not, you are diabetic. No, you're not going to eat this box of Twinkies. Um, and it's being cruel and mean to their, you know, to them. But of course it's me having their best interest in mind. And, uh, you know, I am protector. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I do, but, um, encouraging them, uh, trying to get them to educate themselves and level up. I, I have a person that he came out of a horrible, horrible uh, s- slave situation from West Virginia. And um, he was a puddle of mud pretty much when he showed up. Mm-hmm. I have helped him to um, get better in the nine years that he's been with me. So he's he's so much better. He's doing better than he ever thought he would in his whole entire life. Because I believe in him and I want him to get the most out of life and to be a good support for me, I need him to be able to be confident in himself. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect anyone that's on the submissive or bottom side to be a doormat at all. I want them to be strong. And that's kind of how I build them up. So, right. We don't want these like puppets, you know, we no. want autonomy and yes. powerful submissives. Um, yes. I think self-sufficient, <laughs> self-sufficient. Absolutely. We don't want to have to be telling them what to do every second, but I, a huge um, characteristic that I've seen or common characteristic I've seen in a lot of dominance, including myself is compassion and empathy and lots of it. Um, yes. Patience. Because uh, there are these misconceptions out there that we just, you know, we walk into the room and we kick your balls and we're done. <laughs> now that has happened once or twice in my life. <laughs> it's not an everyday thing. <laughs> it's not, it's not the go-to, but it no, is. Yeah. No. You can sprinkle it in there every once in a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. Um, so uh, can you explain to our listeners who maybe who have never experienced the dominant or experienced uh, had experience as a submissive, um, what a power dynamic is in your words? Because you know it's different across the board, and um, I like to hear it from from you. So that was a question that. I was not prepared for <laughs> in, my, in my mind. It's a person is basically agreeing um, to th- accept the other person's willingness to lead them and their willingness to be led um, for them to be willing to be vulnerable around that person um, and depend on that person, trust that person like the mm-hmm giving up basically your your I don't know how to say this but it's mm-hmm. your way to let someone take charge um and something that I like to say to everything that uh to everyone who asks me stuff about kink and how I just chose to be a dominant and whatnot being a dominant is a privilege mm-hmm. it's responsibility um Submission is a gift that's earned by trust. If you don't trust the person, um, there really is no 
reason to submit to them, in my opinion. Um, it, it looks a little different in different relationships. Like uh, I am a mentor to several uh, people in the Dallas community through a program we have here. And when I talk to some of the uh, male apprentices who are dominants, they don't understand the difference between female-led dominance, which in my situation is not at all about sex. And that kind of blows their mind. What do you mean? I thought that that was kind of the end goal to all of this. That's not my power dynamic. It's not exchanging your willingness to submit to me in exchange for sex. That's not at all. So that confuses a lot of people when I say that. But um, I don't typically, this is really going to blow the listeners' minds. I don't typically mix my BDSM and kink with my sex life. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, um, surprise, surprise. That, that, <laughs> that has been something totally different, totally separate for years until I started dating my sub two years ago, which is something I swore I would never do, but I fell in love with them. So, Aww. yeah, I still awesome. do, do horrible things to him. I just do it with <laughs> more love and a different kind of love now. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm not too surprised by that statement, though. In my dominant experience, I typically never uh, and, and cross the two, um, sex and domination. It doesn't, it just doesn't resonate with me. Um, exactly. Because it feels like it's their desire and it's just not really my desire. Like, this is what I want, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I like to hear that from another person because, yeah, people get so, they're like, well, I just want, you know, I want you to like, like, dominantly fuck me. And I'm like, um, no, <laughs> no, that's not at all. Like, that's, I don't find that to be dominating, dominating at all. And uh, not with you specifically. <laughs> uh, so that's, that makes me, yeah, validation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know that power exchange happens in and out of sexual situations all the time. Mm. In my head, it's a different switch that I have to switch on. Um, yes. and, and, and even, you know, in dating my sub, it's still a different switch that I have to switch on. I, have to take off a totally different hat and switch switch gears uh, when sex happens, but it's just different. One of my partners recently, we were talking about this uh, recently, and he kind of dropped this term on me, dominating or domination with sexual intent. So, and it's like something that's either negotiated or, you know, you're already so close that it's kind of assumed you've you've asked for that uh, mm -hmm. because it can be dominating. Um, I know that I I switch uh, and I I'm very attracted to certain personalities and in, in, in terms of like who I want to dominate and who I want to submit to. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I do want to be dominated in a sexual way, but that's it's. It's pretty rare, not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I wanted to touch back on that. Uh, um, when we were talking about power dynamics, I, I find that in, let's say in vanilla relationships, there, the, the buzzword of codependency is dropped all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're a counselor, so you know, um, that codependency is, I think healthy, um, unless it is, uh, not, it, it, yeah. <laughs> until it turns into something that's not, um, mm -hmm. being dependent on someone. And I have issues with this sometimes, like it's hard for me to be reliant on someone else and trust that other person to know what is best for me because I have to admit to myself that sometimes I don't know what's best for me in every situation. Uh, you know, depending mm -hmm. on my week or month or whatever. Right. Um, just wanted to like italicize that because dependency isn't always a bad thing. It's actually I a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, so Club Femme. Yes. I want to hear more about it. I I've been to... I went to your presentation, I think for new dominoes, um, back in October. Um, but I would like to hear more about how you became more of a leader in that community. Cause I know you said you entered the lifestyle by going to a munch. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Club Femme is a uh, club females enslaving males. That's what F E for. And it's actually an organization, it's international group um, that started in Houston, Texas about 32 years ago. So it's been around forever. The, the concept of having a private group where female dominance and male submissives or bottoms or slaves or whatever term you choose um, can play privately, safely. And we um, have groups and chapters all over the United States and uh, three other countries. So uh, it's a party group that has uh, parties every month. We do presentations. We do things out in the community when there's when we're able to go out in the community after pandemic is over. Um, we do uh, education, socials. And just women empowerment and also validation of male submissions. Submission, I'm sorry. Um, we started, we're actually started by a male submissive and his wife who wanted to have a safe place to have this type of play. So they started with, you know, two or three couples and then it turned into something big. And then, you know, 32 years later, we have three chapters in Texas, and um, I am the headmistress currently of the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter. I have Love been it. for four years, but I've been involved at parties once a month for the last 14 years since I've been in Texas. So wow. it's it's been a part of my life and a part of my growth as a female dominant, as a kinky person, as a responsible person as a new age leather woman, 
I have learned and had friendships with people and it's just been an amazing group um, where we play, we experiment, we learn from others mm-hmm. <laughs> that are not so easy to learn how to do on your own. And you don't want to just start doing needle play unless you know how to do it. Yeah. We, we teach each other different tricks and trades and fun things to do and just have a good social time, a good play time. Um, and everybody goes home and nobody dies from our fun. So, <laughs> oh man, I know that's a big surprise to all the listeners here. <laughs> I know it's, um, it's a good exploration group for anyone that's, uh, you know, and our, our age ranges start at 21 and go all the way up to our oldest member in Houston, I think is 83 years old. Amazing. Uh, there are people that have this image that you have to be young and thin and pretty in order to play in this lifestyle. That is a huge no. Um, some of our charter members from Houston chapter are a part of the Dallas Fort Worth chapter. So they've got some history on them of 30 some years of this kind of play. And, uh, you know, myself, I've got 20, several people, years and years of history uh, of knowledge and skills, sitting in a room, having fun with each other. So mm-hmm. that's good. I, that's amazing. I yeah. am encouraged now to, to start exploring the club more because as I step more and more into my domination, I, I'm like, okay, now I need to evolve the practice here. Let's put in the work. Um, so, and now I'm, I'd like to hear uh, kind of what out of um, all of the uh, dominant female groups in Texas or in the country, what makes Club Femme different or stand out to you? Well, obviously, um, it's where I set my roots in Texas. Mm-hmm. I believe that's one thing. But there are not as many nationwide or international clubs that get together for the same purpose. Um, That's surprising to me. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. There's, there's something beautiful about having a safe place to play and among Mm -hmm. friends and peers. And um, even though we have public dungeon spaces and we have all kinds of things, there are still pardon my French assholes out there who do not believe that females can be dominant and that do not believe that males should be submitting to a woman. So if you go into a public place and you have an asshole like that, again, pardon my French, um, you have to deal with, (laughs) you have to deal with that. And that's really, you know, it takes you out of your headspace. So, um, and, and that goes for both the lady and the gentleman. It's, it's tough to have your lifestyle frowned upon by some guy who doesn't understand it. And that has happened multiple times. So typically our parties are house parties. We have them in the houses of our members, uh, 30 to 50 people sometimes, obviously not during pandemic time, but um, it's a private, intimate gathering of people. Now I will in some cities, they have them in a private space, but they, uh, like in Houston, 
they rent out an entire uh, play space for that group and only that group for the night. So you still have your dynamics within the walls, but you don't have the judgment of uh, onlookers. Right. Now I'm curious to hear about an instance where you were broken out of your headspace in that kind of way, if that's something you want to share. Um, sure. Because for anyone that's listening or might listen to this, it's like, what kind of tools can you can you impart to them on on how to handle a situation like that? Well, um, I've had just going into a public space, people don't know who I am or don't, um, they, they don't know my role just by me walking in a room mm. and lots of people, gentlemen that make an assumption. And this of course was maybe eight years ago. Um, when I, you know, you don't wear a name tag necessarily. It says what your role is. So right. nobody knows. Uh, you walk into a gentleman, uh, uh, sorry, I walked into a dungeon space and a gentleman made an assumption that, you know, I had a low cut blouse on that he could just get all handsy and grabby. And uh, <laughs> that didn't end well for him. But uh, it, I'm just going to say that, that that's kind of the assumptions they had. Now that we are heavily teaching on consent and violations and don't touch each other's right. property and or person, that wouldn't happen today, I would hope. Yeah. But in that instance, I had to, first of all, do some self-defense uh, moves to get him off me, but also to put him in his place very kindly, very politely, and give him the respect that he did not give me. I shouldn't, you know, in hindsight, there, I, things could have gone really bad, but I put him in his place verbally, and then I made sure that my mentors were aware of what happened so they could handle that situation elsewhere. It's not something that if you ever get mistreated by someone that's in the community, it's not something you should hold on to on your own uh, and, and just deal with on your own, especially if this is a person that is violating your consent, your space, your body, any of that. Um, definitely look for some of the leaders in the community and make it aware. Now, I'm not saying people go out and make up stories about someone, but if there is a person that's violating your space and rights and whatnot, say something or do something. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry if I just preached a little bit. <laughs> no, not at all. That's, it's important for, for me and for everyone else to hear. And I'm sure so many similar situations have happened. I've, I've personally, as a switch which you know all of the uh <laughs> um uh god how do i say this all of the preconceived ideas of switches in the lifestyle even today um i had a man say to me that i can't be a dominant or i can't be a true submissive if i'm dominant that's what he said and I just, I, I just had to laugh at him <laughs> because <laughs> he just didn't know what he was talking about. And it's like, oh my God. Okay. So either, okay, well, does he want to listen to what, you know, I've learned 
about this or probably not. So don't waste my breath kind of thing. But there are so many um, preconceived judgments on your appearance or the role that you choose to take. And uh-huh. so, and I'm sure that Club Femme emphasizes that individuality is important in the scene. And absolutely, you, know, you are your own person. And you are um, responsible for your own happiness and your own safety. And yes, there's a there's a lot that people need to learn about um, people putting you in a box. I tell everybody I don't fit well in a box. You shouldn't tell me that I can fit in the dominant box today and in the submissive box tomorrow because I'm going to knock the holes out of every freaking box. (laughs) It just doesn't work that way for me. So, um. Yes, yeah. I am my own. Mm-hmm. I love it. Since we're on the topic of misconceptions, what are some of the the uh, ideas that people come to you with? And I guess let's let's talk about the reality versus the fantasy dominatrix, because, like you said, there is like leather and whips and chains that people immediately think of um right but i would like to hear about your reality so yeah i'm i (laughs) i am a domestic domina meaning i run the household i am the head of the house i am the decision maker um I, i am the person that you see next door you know i mean I'm not someone that you would wear a crown or a T-shirt that says that I'm a domino, you know, for you to understand that I'm the person that runs the show here in the house. I don't feel like I need to shout that from the rooftop for anybody. (laughs) Think about that. We've got authoritative people all over our lives. We've got teachers, counselors, nuns, uh, drill sergeants, neighbors, neighbors and people that have been, you know, bossing folks around forever but they don't have to wear a title that says that I'm authority here. Um, So that's what I have. I am just the lady next door that you might know has some kinky things going on, but she doesn't have to portray herself as super bitchy, super bossy, super anything. It just is what it is. I'm a natural dominant. In other words, I I don't have to put on a show. Um, That's kind of, fake to me and anyone that has to put on airs to kind of portray who they are is they're acting which is fun if you want to flip and be an actress you know every once in a while and and do something I'm the queen of role play I love role playing so that's great but you know in my regular life um, I am what I am uh, <laughs> on the flip side if you look at classic uh, dominatrices and people that think what a dom is. If you say dominatrix, people automatically go to an t- image of a tall, thin, blonde lady with a high ponytail that's wearing latex and nine inch yes. heels. <laughs> that will never be me. Okay, just so for the listeners, I'm a middle aged, black, overweight, heavy set black woman, and <laughs> I'm not going to ever be a, a young, thin, t- 20 year old woman. I am right. who I am. Um, you know, the, people are pressured to wear certain clothes to put on the look, to have the look, have the persona of being this 
unattainable, mean, cruel, bitchy, demanding person. That is a stereotype. Mm-hmm. I need everyone listening to realize that's not her. If you see that person, she might be doing that as her fetish. She might enjoy wearing the leather and latex. And I don't knock anybody who does any fetishes. I will wear a classic robe or or t-shirt and jeans or yoga pants or a chicken onesie if I have to <laughs> not steal the damn domina. So it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I found myself at several conventions and people that want to be captured in those photos will put on all that stuff. And I'm known to be the t-shirt dom. I will wear my t-shirts that says some kind of saying on it. Like I beat up boys for, you know, for fun or something, you know, um, but I don't necessarily have to put on the attire to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's encouraging to so many people mm-hmm. out there who are just, you know, just touching the surface. Cause like you said, even you kind of got caught up in the, in the perceptions that the world right. has of, of who a domina is and. Right. Uh, and we're, we're not overbearing, dark, angry, man, hating people. Um, it, it's quite the opposite for me. I love to hug, touch, nurture my partners and have giggles and fun. So it's yeah. not always cruel and evil and pain, which I think a lot of people think that that's all BDSM is, is tying right. someone up and beating them until they're bleeding. It's, it's not always that it's so much more. Yeah, absolutely. And sadism doesn't come in in uh or sadism comes in more forms than just the physical absolutely Mm -hmm. uh which is fun because i'll i'll encounter people who don't like physical pain and i'm like that's okay yeah you know i mean i'm a sadist i don't have to be um physically aggressive with you (laughs) there are other ways to make this painful (laughs) yes (laughs) very much i love it uh, so what kind of, what kind of, um, kink play have you learned over your course in, uh, like through Club Femme? I assume you've learned a lot of, um, strategies and techniques through Club Femme. Yes. Um, most of, what? most of my play. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I started off just having an interest in spanking due to some of the role plays that I was doing back in the day. And um, so I swore I didn't want to do anything else but spanking. It's all I really wanted to do is verbal domination and spanking. But everything has evolved since then. I've used every implement out there, Um, canes, whips, floggers, and and I have an arsenal of supplies here at the house. Arsenal. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much an arsenal. And, and I will tell you they're sitting because I, I don't get to use them enough. Um, so, again, part of Club Femme is you'll have someone that's a specialist in one thing or the other. So, you know, learning how to do fire play. I've learned I don't like that so much. Um, knife play. Fear play is one of my favorites because I'm into more of the mental arts of mm-hmm. Uh, mind fuckery is what we call it. And um, just playing with someone's mind and making them think that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but I won't. And 
um, you know, that those are things that I think I'm better at that I enjoy. Um, using floggers and whips and, and implements, that's all a different craft that people can learn ind individually. Um, and everybody does something differently. So. Mm -hmm. And um, what is, okay, so everyone knows about subdrop. Oh. And I recently learned about top drop. <laughs> yes, it is very real. <laughs> um, it is very lot. real. And, and so I have event drop which is one thing uh, after I've done like a fun weekend, I have a, a serious event drop. Uh, <laughs> but also when I have a heavy, intense play scene with someone where I feel like I am mentally in tuned with them. And um, I, I usually only play with my partners that way that because I have a, a, a an emotional connection to them and, you know, there's, there's a, we have a history, a background, and it's just beautiful that that person is there and they're taking whatever I'm going to give them. And that's the beautiful gift of submission that I was explaining. Um, and then it, my adrenaline is so high when I'm in the play, play space and I'm, I might be fine the next day, but the day after that, I feel like I got hit by a truck because I'm just mentally and physically pooped. <laughs> so um yeah. yeah so top drop is real i've experienced it not only ind individually but also um after doing a big conference or event where there's a lot of high exchange of energy and meeting people and things like that so and i feel like it is such a different experience than um sub drop or bottom drop um mm -hmm for me because of that, of the different type of energy you're exchanging, you're going to have your, your body literally has a physiological reaction and response to each one differently. Um, what are the, some, what are some of the things that you do to replenish your, you know, yourself? Um, I love bubble baths. So <laughs> a bubble bath is kind of how I reset everything. Um, just, you know, taking some chill time for myself and going, oh, the first time I had a top drop was after three days of kinky play in a row. And I didn't know what was going on. So I literally had to figure it out and then put one to one together and go, oh, OK, this is what's going on. Um, since then, if I know that I've had that headspace where I was feeling good and hot flying high, I kind of prepare myself for it and know what's going on when I start having weird feelings the next day. Yeah. So, I, or I'm, even days after. Days after. It could be days after. Yes. It's, uh, it's strange, to be honest. It was, it's so new and it's, it's something that you don't experience, um, in a lot of, other areas of life, I feel like this really just brings it out of you, this this concept of drop, which um, for any of the listeners who don't know exactly what we're talking about, um, would you like to explain um, your experience uh, or at least a definition of, of drop in general? Um. And like why it occurs, just kind of 
Well, because of all the, the, the adrenaline and the, the body juices that are flowing through your brain when you're kind of flying high um, from the things you're doing to a person and just the exchange of energy. And then all of a sudden there's an energy drop. It You just, I, I don't know how to explain it other than um, you feel like you're, <laughs> you've just lost all your air sometimes. Um, yeah. And cause your body, yeah, your body's, yeah, it's, and you, it's like, it's funny. Cause like walking into the scene, I knew that it was, it was coming. And then mm-hmm. I didn't actually know it was coming until it hit me. And I was like, what's wrong with me? And then I was like, oh yeah, I just topped for, you know, like, two of the four past days and now it's all hitting me yes Uh, (laughs) it was like so strange and especially like I said the top drop versus a sub drop is so different that's why I was like my first time I was like it just it just I wasn't expecting what I was feeling right and I Uh, I had not experienced it before that three days of play so it it hit me and then I remembered what it was and okay. <laughs> it it was just like you just ran a marathon, you know. Right. And you're gonna feel it for a day or two. So the same thing with the kink. Sometimes the just giving the energy, the energy exchange and not even the fact that you're flogging for twenty, thirty, forty minutes straight, but just the going on between you. Um that is what Makes it's you insane. Awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yes. It's incredible. Like, and it actually makes you slow down. It is like, all right, your body knows what's up. You're gonna lay in bed. You're gonna take a bath. You're gonna take care of uh-huh. yourself. Uh-huh. You know, something that a lot of people. It's just so easy to just go, 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 go all the time, unless you get hit with a train. And you're uh-huh. like, okay, <laughs> I need to slow down. It's good. It's helped me incorporate more self-care methods into my life. Absolutely. So in Club Femme, you guys do or focus on female empowerment. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear more about how domination has empowered you and some of the messages that you pass on through Club Femme to these aspiring uh, dominatrices? Well, um, I know there are a lot of folks who come in through Club Femme and they're fairly new to the lifestyle, but then there's some that are, that have been involved for a while. Uh, we've even got a few members that are professionals that just want a, a place that they can play and just have fun. So we've got all kinds of people that come through. We're very much a teachable group, like I said earlier. Um, but it's building confidence, I think, is what we see the most in um, the ladies. We do a lot of talk workshops and things about what does it mean to verbally uh, give verbal command or verbal uh, verbal directions. And, you know, how do you how do you uh, maneuver a relationship when a person is partnered with someone else? Um, we, we are involved I'm sorry, we are there to try to help the ladies to figure out how to make this fit in their lives. Mm-hmm. I 
it, it is my 24 seven life. I have a person that came to visit me nine years ago and has never left basically. So, um, you know, this is my reality every single day, but I know that there are some ladies that this is maybe once a month or, you know, they're dabbling with the idea of being in a female led relationship. And what does that look like? And just kind of helping them grow in the idea of, okay, well, I see how this person does it. Let me ask them advice and we can kind of be a resource for each other. Um, walking through our life as female dominance. Mm -hmm. What are some of the benefits that these women are experiencing by like stepping into this female led relationship? Like other than like truly like, you know, accepting themselves and stepping into themselves, but they're, you know, developing clearer communication and setting harder boundaries for themselves uh needs wants stuff like that <laughs> i really don't know how to verbalize what they're benefiting i know what i've benefited is i have a life companion a life mate that um is going to do for me um as i wish i write the rules he understands that there's an agreement we're working well together it's a very good partnership we are making each other's lives a little more complete um so I, I don't know if that's a benefit that everyone else is enjoying. Um, I know that through Club Femme, I, in the last uh, nine years, I have connected about four couples that are married. So, <laughs> you know, people are meeting their mate, their match, and getting the kink life that they want, along with the vanilla mate that they want. So there's a benefit to um, going out and actually living this kinky stuff that we do real time. Um, people never come from behind the computer because they don't know how, they don't know where. Um, they think people that are kinky are, you know, have horns and things like that, but we're all safe and we, in Club Femme, we're a safe place where we uh, enjoy each other and teach each other and family. So I say, come on out. I love it. I, I, I guess for my personal experience, I, I actually was introduced to, I'd been like curious about domination for a while. Um, and was always like a little nervous to step into it. And then, uh, I had this, uh, woman, she reached out to me and wanted to be my mentor and I did not do the proper vetting that I should have done mm. um, because she was apparently um, just not really versed in what she portrayed herself to be as. Ah. And I remember just, just something just didn't feel right with her. Um, and then when I finally like severed that relationship, I was able to step into myself a little bit more. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really need someone telling me like how this is supposed to look. Um, I felt like it came really naturally to me and everything that she was trying to tell me was just felt really unnatural. Yeah. So I will tell but, you that there are, 
there are lady predators out there. Um, Just as much as there are gentlemen predators, there are lady predators. So um, I will tell anyone who is maybe new to the scene or even involved with the scene for a while, you want to vet the person and make sure they have the right intentions and that, you know, yeah, you want somebody with a good reputation. Um, and And to do that, you have to ask around and ask people that, you respect their uh, opinions. So. Right. Absolutely. And I think as a closing uh, question, um, I am curious about how you have seen the, the uh, world um, of BDSM and, and domination just kind of evolve over time since the first time you stepped into it. Um, what it was like and kind of what it is like now. I would say that the lifestyle is not where it was when I jumped in. It seemed like it was a lot more fun. Um, and there <laughs> I've heard that so many serious, times. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot more serious players. Um, and there was just being able to find a play partner was not as difficult um, because right now there's a lot of screening of people that are just out there for their own selfish sexual purposes. Um, and they have no intention of actually having any kind of relationship or, you know, and not everyone that gets involved in BDSM is into getting into it for a relationship. Maybe it's just pick up play once or twice a month or twice a year. Um, but it seems like uh, trying to vet someone is much more important nowadays than it was back in the day um, because there's a lot of people, you know, with some movies that came out and, you know, mm-hmm. people think they know everything about BDSM and kink are, are showing up or they're showing up for, you know, genuine interest and want to, uh, you know, learn more. But then there's a lot of, yakos out there that kind of make it difficult as far as i know a lot of lady dominants get approached a lot um by people and and the the approach is just wrong yeah um for some reason i don't know why this i don't know if it's a generational thing but they think that just saying sup or hi is going to be enough to get you know my interest in to doing some very kinky risky stuff with you Mm-hmm. that's not right um i think that i'm i'm a little old school so i'll say that people are not used to putting forth the effort to get to know a person before they want to play or they want to do something um risky and so maybe that is me being old school but i like to know the person i'm going to play with if i'm going to play in their mind i want to know all their triggers i want to know all their um, ups and downs and you know things that I need to know about. So I don't step on any landmines in their head. Um, I don't know if that's just me, but I feel like people don't do that anymore. There's a lot of pickup play, which is just, you know, you meet me and say, Hey, you want to want to flog me? And that's it. You know, it's, it's kind of that quick instant gratification stuff nowadays that um, I don't, I don't think existed back then. You really took time to get to know somebody you were going to do harm to their 
body or not, not harm, but you are going to hurt their body, you probably want to know a little bit, you know, at least know their name and, and, you know, basic stuff about them. But I don't know that that happens. It's a lot of uh, quick play, now, which I don't do quick play. If I, if I am playing with you, it's because we have had time to talk about some things. So absolutely. It's so important. I have found myself gravitated, gravitating towards the I, I would call them older heads, uh, mm -hmm. just old, more old school um, approaches to BDSM because it's what feels comfortable. It's like, yeah, I want to know the person before stepping into a space like that. You have no idea what kind of like mental capacity someone has until you have a deep conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So, well... This has been very enlightening. Um, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, to have this conversation with me. Absolutely. Um, it's been a blast. Yeah. Is there any, any closing statements you would like to, to leave with or, or not? Well, for your listeners, I want y'all to know that there's a safe way to do everything. Think about um, consequences to what you're doing. And there is no right or wrong way of doing a lot of things. There's only a safe way and an unsafe way. So mm -hmm. um, if you don't know how to do something, try to find out from someone who has tried it before, um, you know, just to avoid any hospital visits or wrongful death or anything. Some of the stuff we do is very risky and people see it done. They think, okay, I can try this. Um, be careful out there. Yeah. Have fun out there. This risky stuff that we're doing is supposed to be all about fun and having a good time and living with good feelings. Even though you might be a little sore um, from what's happening to you, you're going to do it. You're going to practice it. You're going to try it. You're going to evolve from it. I just want everybody out there to have a good time. And don't worry about which side of the slash you're on, whether you're on the dominant or top side or whether you're on the the submissive or bottom side, have a good time, make good choices. Mm -hmm. And where can curious listeners find Club Femme? Club Femme DFW is on FetLife. If anyone is on FetLife.com, we have the Club FEM DFW chapter. And we also uh, have a website, which is clubfem.org. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and I'll let you get to your munch. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Psycho Podcast. If you want to find more, go to thepsycho.com. Uh, music is Face In It by Fallen for Autumn on Instagram. Go give her some love. And if you wanted to find more of Miss Navia or Club Femme, go ahead and reach out on the links in the description. Okie dokie. See y'all next time. I want you to touch my body, let's make it. Now you wrap your hands around my waist. And bury your face in it around when you decide to take it. No, I'm not. Let's move on. I want you to touch my body, let's make it. Now you wrap your hands around my waist. And bury your face.